Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Thursday, December 30th. We begin with a look at the age-old tradition of setting a New Year's resolution. While many of us set one, not many of us actually stick with it. We get some advice to stay on track with your goals from sport and performance doctor Haley Perlis. On the topic of resolutions, perhaps the New Year is a good time to get your household finances in order. We get some tips to improve your financial fitness as we move into 2022 from Marie Kozlowski, Vice President and Licensed Insolvency Trustee with BDO Debt Solutions Canada. Next, from smart home tech to appliances for your newfound passion, baking. Canadians' demand for tech gadgets continued in 2021. We take a look back at the high-tech trends that defined the past 12 months. And finally, when your child gets sick, it can be hard not only on the child, but also for the parents. We catch up with Stephen Walker of the Calgary Counseling Centre for some advice on what parents can do to help their children cope with COVID-19. A new year is around the corner, and that means a lot of people will be making New Year's resolutions. But will they stick? Here to help us set achievable New Year's goals is Dr. Haley Perlis, Sport and Performance PhD. Good morning to you, Haley. Good morning, Andy. Hi, Sue. I'm going to hit you with the first question, which is the million-dollar question. And if you have the answer to this concisely, you can change the world. Uh, Why do our New Year's resolutions fail? (laughs) Andy, you said said the word already, but we all have these great ideas of what we want to achieve. I want to lose weight. I want to drink less. I want to go to sleep early. And then we have this story called the butt story that prevents us. So I want to exercise after work, but I'm too tired. I want to, you know, I want to eat healthily, but you know, I don't have time to prep. So it's those buts that actually get in the way of us following through on these great New Year's resolutions that we set for ourselves. And then, ironically enough, our big butt does get in the way. <laughs> <laughs> you said it, not me. <laughs> okay, so so what do we do? How do we fix that? How do we get that big butt out of our vocabulary? Yeah. So the first thing is that if you are going to set a New Year's resolution, you really want to be ready for it. I know that it's the the fad and the cool thing to do to set a New Year's resolution. However, you really have to be able to share the, the, the truth of the story. So I'm good with really any New Year's resolution that you set. I want to be healthier. I want to be more engaged with my family. I want to recover more. What I really want you to pay attention to is all those butts that can come out. So take a moment, take five minutes, and just vent all of your butts, almost part of my language, throw up on the page with all of your, what they will become are excuses, your butts. And then what you need to do is look at your New Year's resolution and say the truth is. So for example, I want to exercise after work, but I'm too tired. Well, the truth is for most of us, we are sitting on our butts most of the day, very well physically rested. So at the end of the day... The truth is my body is well rested and it's ready for exercise. And when I go and exercise, I'm going to rest my emotions and my mindset, which is really what's exhausted. Ooh. That would be one way around it. So you have to change the story behind your resolution and your behavior. This is not necessarily changing the, the resolution in, of its, in and of itself, but giving yourself a story that supports the New Year's resolution. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Absolutely it does, Dr. Perlis. I'm wondering, you know, uh, when we get the butts out of the way, could a part of it be that we're uh, making unachievable goals when we're setting our New Year's resolution? So I guess what, I, what I'd get at here is, you know, on January 1 saying I want to lose 50 pounds by January 31st. Uh, is uh, part of the issue the goal that we set themselves? 
Absolutely. We try to jump into the deep end with goals that are unattainable, or we try to set too many at one time and also trying to be perfect. So we all need stress for, to grow and to, to thrive, but there's a sweet spot of stress. So when you set your goals, which are going to be challenging, so they're stressful, but good stress, think about how you can set your goals at or just above your current level of ability where you feel some nervous energy, butterflies in your stomach, you know you have to you know, exert some effort, but you've got confidence. As soon as you set goals that are too high, you jump in there with anxiety, and what comes with anxiety is doubt. But when you set goals that are just above, so we're not, we're not you know, reaching for the stars here, we're just above. So if you're going to go to the gym, you know, usually go three times, and now you want to move it to four, that's just above. Don't go for seven days a week. That's too much, and it creates anxiety and doubt. So any goal where you feel a little bit of nervousness, and you, you get that feeling, so you know, a little bit of arousal, nervousness, but you also have this perceived sense of confidence as well as perceived sense of control, now you're on target. And so your field of expertise is, you know, in sport and performance in sport. So is there a way for us to translate that, what you know when it comes to sport, just into our everyday life in terms of, you know, mental toughness and and not being so hard on ourselves and how to play that mental game? Isn't that the biggest part of it all? (laughs) It is. And if we're going to go with sports, I like to help my athletes, whatever position they're in, they have to take it on as an offensive Uh, mindset. So instead of being on defense and everything coming at them and all the excuses why they can't and why they shouldn't and why they won't and who's to blame, no matter what role you're playing, you want to be in the driver's seat. You want to be on offensive play. So everything you look at, even if something, you know, um, a block comes in, a boundary, you still say to yourself, okay, this is what it is. And how can I still take control over my situation with whatever I have control over? And I'm wondering, you know, whatever goal, whatever task or project we have uh, to complete something takes discipline. And I'm wondering if we can, if you have any tips to build that discipline that we could use maybe in other areas of our life as well. I believe that discipline comes from setting rituals. So now I do have a little bit of uh, recommendations with regards to your resolutions. I like them to be rituals that actually help with discipline. So for me, for example, I once really wanted to improve my water drinking, my water intake. Instead of waiting for me to get thirsty and then drink or telling myself that I need to, you know, drink more frequently throughout the day, I had specific rituals. The night before I go to sleep, right before I go to sleep, I pour myself a glass of water and lemon. I put it on my night table. And then every morning, as soon as I wake up, I drink that water. And it became two ounces and three ounces. So even though I I may have not been thirsty, I was still going to do it anyways to improve my discipline. And that was the ritual in place. So if you can set New Year's resolutions that are very simple behaviors like that that create discipline, you're on the right track too. So many great tips. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great holiday. Happy New Year to you. And uh, we got it now. We'd be able to do this in the new year. Did did I save the world? (laughs) Yeah, you did. Thank you so much for joining us. (laughs) Thank you. Dr. Haley Perlis, Sport and Performance PhD. You can go to drhaleyperlis, P-E-R-L-U-S.com. I don't know. I mean, for me... It's setting something attainable and not that pie in the sky, like I said to the doctor. I mean, January 1st, hey, I, and I want to drop 20 pounds and I want to drop yeah. it by January 31. It's not realistic. The results, it's like saving money, you know, and you explain to your kids what a savings account is and you put 20 bucks in a month and then they look at it and say, well, you know, I didn't get $100 interest on this money, Dad. 
Um, no, that's not the way it works, and it does take patience, and you're not... I think you just have to go broad, right? Like, you can't be super specific, because it's very hard to follow through. Life gets in the way. So just be broad about, I want to be better. I want to eat better. Yeah. I want to, you know, I want to try, and I want to, I want to join a gym. And if you yeah. already belong to a gym, I'd like to go, I really want to commit to going once a week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Go once, big. Yeah. Well, you, think you know, about, you don't have to go so narrow. You go once a week. That's 50 times in the year. And, and that's, that's sound, That sounds like a lot when you think about yes. it. Yes. And we had uh, Juliana Mello, the spiritual advisor, a spiritual, I guess you'd say, a reader mm-hmm. uh, yesterday. And she was fantastic. Uh, you, you hooked her up uh, on, on the program. And it was kind of a motivational Monday on a Wednesday. Yeah. She had said and, and gone as far as to say, if you were listening, that she doesn't make New Year's resolutions. She focuses on a word to take her through the next 12 months. Right. Um, so maybe, so I maybe think that, that's great. Well, but again, because it can be, that can be as broad or as yeah. focused as you want. And I, I do goals. do that every year. So just, if you're wanting to do that, just sit and think about it. Don't like, just pick a word and let it come to you because it, yeah. it will. Well, mine would be buffet <laughs> and then I'd regret it. That will come to you. Fitness goals shouldn't be the only resolution you make this year as we head into 2022. It's the perfect time to get financially healthy. If you're looking to get your finances on the right foot in the new year, we have some advice you can use. This morning, we're joined by Marie Kozlowski, licensed insolvency trustee and vice president, BDO Debt Solutions Canada. Good morning to you, Marie. Good morning, Sue. Good morning, Andy. Thank you for taking the time with us. Now, the financial resolutions that we're talking about into the new year, uh, it's fine to make them, but we want to make them uh, goals that we can keep on track with. So uh, to begin with, how do we set goals at the very beginning of the year that we, we can actually achieve? Absolutely. You know, improving financial health is a priority for 2022. And, you know, you know, a solid plan. Well, first of all, let me back up. Making a plan is important. Don't make a resolution because resolutions are hard to keep. You know, according to federal studies, resolutions fail over 80% within six weeks. So a solid financial plan will help lessen financial stress, and especially for households that are struggling and feeling overwhelmed. So this is how to go about it. Um, to create that financial plan, take a really honest look at your current financial situation, your income, your expenses, and your savings. And then, you know, think about what your challenges are, or even what you hope your successes will be short and long term for the year ahead. And then also you must take a look at how much do you owe? Are you keeping up with your monthly payments? If, do you have a budget? If you do, take a look at it. See, see if it's meeting your needs. Tweak it. Um, you know, these are areas where we can find um, ways to trim or cut spending and free up funds for debt repayment, savings or retirement. The financial goals that we set for the year ahead must be smart, smart goals. They must be specific measurable, action-oriented, realistic, and, you know, they've got to have timelines. And then check in regularly to review the budget and to review the progress on the financial plan. You know, not annually, not even quarterly. Monthly is a minimum, I'd say, but you can do it every two weeks, you know, or when it fits in with your pay cycle, I would do that. Marie, sticking with that financial fitness kind of theme, people hire personal trainers to help them meet their their fitness goals when it comes to their body. But should we be doing the same? Can we do the same with our financial health? Can we have somebody that we can check in with on a regular basis? You know, absolutely. You know, we do focus on our physical health, especially now. And um, but you know, in other years, we've also we we think about seeking the support of a personal trainer or even a dietitian. Now, why wouldn't we do that for our financial health? You know, our um, 
you know, affordability index at BDO showed us that Canadians are struggling with affordability and debt challenges. And more recently, because of the pandemic, uh, record inflation, supply chain interruptions. We know that food costs are rising and they're going to continue. So, you know, we do, they do, individuals who are feeling like they want to develop a plan, they need to talk to a debt, initially, um, a financial professional. You know, there are financial planners out there who can help. Many of them are registered with the appropriate federal and provincial organizations. But also, you could come and talk to a debt relief professional, such as myself. I'm a licensed insolvency trustee. We can help you make an informed decision, you know, how to deal with any debt that you may have. Uh, we'll review your situation, explain your options, and some of them are as simple as developing a budget or making a uh, talking to your financial institution about perhaps a consolidation loan or reorganizing any um, debt products you have with them. You know, and if that doesn't work, then, you know, there's also more formal ways of dealing with your creditors through a proposal. Um, so those are the things that I'd suggest. And let's remember, 80% of uh, resolutions fail in six weeks. And I think, you know, as we go forward into the new year, we all want to ch- uh, start a new financial chapter, turn the page. And the way of doing that is getting seeking some help. And, you know, it, you don't necessarily have to feel like you need it right now. But gathering the information, you know, information is power. When you have that information, you can make choices that are the best choices for you. Marie, uh, do we direct people to BDO.ca or what's the best way to get a hold of you and, okay. and your company? Um, you know, at BDO, you know, we're here to help. You can call one eight five five bdo debt or visit our website at debtsolutions.bdo.ca. And just so you know, we're just launching a new website. It's very exciting, uh, very user-friendly. So call, uh, take a look. Um, if you want to schedule a free confidential appointment, um, absolutely, you can do that straight from the website, or you can call one eight five five BDO debt. Thanks so much. All the best in twenty twenty two, Marie. We appreciate your time. And and same to you. Happy New Year. Thanks. Bye bye. That's Marie Kozlowski, Vice President and a licensed insolvency trustee with BDO Debt Solutions Canada. The start of the pandemic marked a technological buying frenzy from getting your home office set up to appliances for that new passion for baking. Canadians have been busy buying those tech toys to make their lives more comfortable. The high demand for tech has continued in 2021 with a look at what tech trends define the year. We're joined by Colin Schaefer, spokesperson with Best Buy Canada. Good morning to you, Colin. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Well, let's uh, take a look. Let's go straight to the top. Uh, what were the top items Canadians were buying this year? Yeah, you, you know what? I think there's a, a lot of good context uh, even before we get into that. And, mm-hmm. and that is that technology continues to play a central role in the lives of Canadians. Uh, and if we look over the last two years, especially with the pandemic and all the changes, there's been such a, uh, such a shift in how people live their lives. You have a lot more people working from home. And even if we look at, at students, there's a lot of students learning remotely, right? So the amount of people in the household is more now than ever before. And with that, we've seen a shift where technology used to be a want for a lot of people, and it really has become a need over the last little while. So, uh, you know, smart technology and other new features are rapidly becoming a part of, uh, of the, the technology that people bring into their household. And with that, we've seen a shift in what people are buying. Uh, so if we look, even just right now, you know, in, in what we're seeing a lot of is uh, smart lighting. 
smart lighting has grown 20%. People are looking for smart lights more than now, or more now, sorry, than, than ever before. Um, and there's so many different ways of integrating this into your household. We're also seeing things like uh, major appliances, right? Even though uh, people are, are buying homes, they're still looking for, for more major appliances. And that's seen a 16% growth uh, last year and another 11% this year. Wow. So, there, there, yeah, there, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of things that people are looking for to solve needs in their in their household right now. And just to make things more comfortable from home, right? When we're working there or schooling there. And on that note, Colin, so you know what are, are those the main factors then that drove the tech trends, as you mentioned this year? Or are, did you encounter any more than that? No, it, it really is. Those are the two main drivers that we're seeing right now. And, and I think you just alluded to a great point, which is. Uh, the comfort, right? People are at home more than, than now than ever before, and they want to be comfortable, but they're also looking for time saving, right? So they're, they're looking for things to make uh, use of, a good use of their time, I should say, at home. Uh, and just, you know, examples like air fryers. Air fryers are, uh, they're an essential part of every kitchen, and if you don't have one, you should look at them. Uh, but, th- you know, we're selling those at 61% higher year over year compared to last year. Um, and, and it's something that uh, it saves you a lot of time. There's no mess to clean up. It makes food taste great. So there's a lot of cost savings, but there's also a lot of time saving and just uh, convenience factors in this technology. Everybody loves the air fryer. You know I'm it. a convert. <laughs> I can't get enough. So we, we, we look back at the past 12 months and what a, uh, an incredible 12 months they have been. Now it's time to get that crystal ball out, Colin. Let's look ahead to 2022. What tech trends do you expect to see in the next year? Well, you know what? I think we, we're going to continue to look for, uh, you know, specifically major appliances is going to be a big one. Uh, but really, smartphones, right? Even though people are, are at home more often, it gives them more time, funny enough, on their cell phone, whether it's to consume media, uh, it could be to, to take their conference calls, just connect with friends and family, uh, especially remotely. So smartphones, we're anticipating a huge influx of people looking for new cell phones. Uh, like I said, household appliances, whether it's the, the major appliances or the air fryers, toasters, things of that nature, but also PCs and laptops and TV and home audio. Those are two other categories. I think if you're spending a lot of time at home, you're going to want to keep those up to date. I was going to say that TV, we need the biggest and the best for sure. Do you see an <laughs> increase in, in tablets as well, Colin? Or is that sort of a trend that's getting bigger? We, we are. You know, there, there's still uh, laptops still such a significant role for a lot of Canadians, but the tablet piece is growing significantly as well. There's so many options. There's a lot more options than there ever used to be in the past. Uh, and inventory is there. So there, there's there's a lot of options for people to choose from. It's mobile. So if you do need to hit the road, you can bring it with you. It's a lot more convenient in a lot of cases. Uh, so tablets are definitely growing as well. Very interesting. Some great tech. We love our tech as mm-hmm. Canadians and love to know, you know, what's popular. We don't want to have that uh, FOMO, fear no. of missing out. So yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for your time, Colin. No problem. Thanks for having me. Thank you. That's Colin Schaefer, store lead at Best Buy Canada. When your child contracts COVID-19, it can be difficult not only for the child, but also for the parents. Mornings with Sue and Andy producer Reese Schaefer spoke with Stephen Walker from the Calgary Counseling Centre for some tips to help kids and parents navigate a COVID diagnosis. When your child catches COVID, it's not only hard on the kids, but it's also challenging for the parents. Here are some tips to help your children cope with COVID is Stephen Walker from the Calgary Counseling Centre. Good morning, Stephen. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well, Reese. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm doing well. Let's jump right into it. Let's say, hypothetically, that my family has taken every precaution possible to avoid COVID, but somehow my kid still catches it. What tips do you have 
if a child feels that it's their fault that they caught COVID as if they've done something wrong. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Children are, you know, as part of the natural course of their development, always trying to sort of find their place in the world by comparing themselves to what's going on around them. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and, and who as well and the people around them. Um, and, you know, as parents, you know, when these kind of unexpected things happen or it's sort of these events kind of happen, you know, there's a couple of things we want to sort of themes, a couple of things that can really help. So the ability to adapt or flexibility, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that's a skill. So as families, you know, we want to have this skill, especially in today's time. And as parents, this is a skill that, you know, we want to um, invest in in our children so that as they continue to learn and grow and, and grow up in the world, they are able to adjust and adapt to it um, as it changes around them. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second thing is remaining connected in a crisis, right? right. Uh, so that even when things go wrong, things that are out of your control happen that disturb the plan that you have, um, that families and uh, know how to sort of stay connected and stay supportive of each other in the face of that. And that children know by that experience that that's appropriate, that even when people screw up, that even when things go wrong, um, except expectedly or unexpectedly, you know, we still need to be connected to one another and care for one another. Um, responding to your child when they get COVID, step number one is um, how are you handling your own response? Right. Okay. Children start inferring things from your body language, you know, almost, you know, at at an extremely young age. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, it's not our intention, you know, when we feel sort of hurt or upset or sad that our child has COVID because that often has implications for us and our plans. Right. But like, what am I demonstrating? What am I showing? Yeah, and it's hard you know, for parents not to feel that heightened anxiety when their child comes yeah. down with COVID and when they're taking their signals from you, it's really difficult because they're feeding off of that anxiety that they can see physically in you. Exactly. You got it. So I think that's an excellent point. So that's sort of with this approach, right? It's good to work sort of for sort of from the inside towards your child. So step one then is considering exactly what you said, right? It's like, so, so what do I need to respond to this? So I would encourage every parent to imagine a scenario where their child does get COVID. Um, in fact, I would encourage them to imagine a scenario where their child gets COVID right before a, an important family gathering, uh, right before a sort of a, a, perhaps like a vacation. Yeah. Okay. Something of significance, right? If only to give themselves an opportunity, you know, in their imagination to sort of visit, you know, like what might that be like for them? How might that you feel as a parent? What's your first reaction going to be? And what do you want to model for your child? Okay. Mm -hmm. This, you know, and this might require some sort of inner work, right? Like, okay, you know, maybe I'm somebody who kind of deeply feels things myself, just as my child does. So, you know, I'll need to soothe myself. I'll need to calm myself. Now, The second step, sort of moving outward from that, right, is ask your child how they're feeling about it and let them say it out loud and acknowledge whatever it is they say or they express about how they're feeling about it. Um, Depending on their age, you might want to give them some coaching about it. Like, do you feel sad about Mm -hmm. this? Are you upset about this? Um, You know, give them the opportunity to really verbalize what their experience is of the diagnosis. Right. Then if you've done step one, right, mm-hmm. you can express your own feelings about this subject in a measured way. I also feel sad. 
Mm. I also feel disappointed. Okay. So you're letting the child know that having that emotional reaction, what they're feeling about it is a expectable. It's a, it's a, it's a normal reaction. Yeah. Like you're not the only one feeling it, but it's me too. Okay. I feel sad too. Yeah. Now you bring up a good point though. Children still have a remarkable capacity to blame themselves for things. They do. Yeah. Yeah. So the next thing we want to do is we want to remind the child that even in the face of this, that they are still loved and a very important part of the family, just because they get COVID or any illness or any problem that comes up in their life. Right. Absolutely. And I mean, Sometimes it's been a bit stigmatized now. Somebody contracts COVID and eventually mm-hmm. they're going to get over it. They're going to come out of isolation, which can also be very challenging for a young child dealing with having to isolate yeah. from your rest of your family. But once you come out of that, how can you deal with the people in your lives, say school children or different things that now somehow might look at you differently now that you have had COVID? Ah, uh, yes. Okay. When a child goes back to school, kind of rehearsing with the child, right, what they want to say out loud makes what they need to say a little more available, makes practical sense to them. And if you've had a kind of a conversation with as a family, like this is our plan, this is how we respond to somebody getting infected with COVID, gives that child a bit of confidence that this is something that is expectable, that it might happen. Yeah, you have an action plan. We have an action plan. So if somebody asks you about it, so like, why were you out of school? Well, you know, we had to use our action plan. Exactly. You know, and so I think you're, you're taking a tough situation and making it into something, you know, hopefully really helpful to quite a number of people. Yeah, take a tough situation, make it a learning experience. You got it. Exactly. Stephen, thank you so much. Have a great holiday season. You as well. Take care. That's Stephen Walker from the Calgary Counseling Center. For 770 CHQR, I'm Reece Schaefer. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.